Welcome to Leadership Backstage, a series of unique conversations with leaders about their role today and tomorrow. Hi, my name is Tricia Schroeder-Hohenwald. I am an executive coach, an organizational consultant, and the owner of DSH International HR. Another podcast about leadership, seriously? Yes, but somehow different. Over the years, I have been involved in lots of discussions about leadership. What it is, what it is not, what it will be, what it should be, and so on. But from my perspective, far too little open discussions have taken place with leaders about this subject. This is what I want to change here. I want to give leaders a voice, listen to what they say, and see what we can all learn from each other. And also, I have worked with many great leaders in the confidential space of our coaching sessions. But this time, it's not a conversation behind closed doors. The leaders here have accepted to share their thoughts openly, and I hope you will enjoy this backstage view on leadership. Gordon, so welcome to this podcast. I'm very, very happy to have you here. It's a very different conversation than uh, the, the usual ones, and I'm very excited. So well, thanks for having me. It's a, it's a real pleasure. I don't normally do podcasts, so this is fun for me too. Your first experience, very nice. Yeah. And um, Gordon, for, for the audience of this podcast, you were a bit of an exotic leader. So tell, a bit, <laughs> tell us a bit about your profession and, um, and introduce yourself, please. Right. Well, I am a, I'm a musician and, and more specifically by trade, I'm a conductor. Uh, and uh, right now, uh, for the last uh, three years, I've been the music director of the Regina Symphony Orchestra. And so um, that is, I would say, about 60% of what I do. And then the rest of my professional life, I, I work as a guest conductor in different places, in, uh, in symphonic work, in opera, and in ballet. Uh, and, I, and I still play the piano a little bit here and there. So it keeps me very busy. Yes, very nice. I know that, uh, and that's why I was thinking of you, and... Um, I know that some some companies have invited conductors to talk about the, the, the topic of leadership and just compare what does it mean to be a leader as a conductor and, and a leader in this profession and what does it mean in um, yeah, a corporation, so in whatever field, it doesn't matter. It's a different, a different kind of organization. And that's the reason why I, I wanted to talk to you. And uh, I'm, I'm very curious about what, what you're going to say, I'm sure. It's interesting. Uh, I, I've seen this sort of thing, too, where, uh, you know, the, the comparisons are made between the industries. And, uh, you know, I, I have very little to no experience of what it means on the corporate side of things. So it's a sort of mutual exploration, I think. Yes, very nice, very nice. T tell us, uh, tell us a little bit about about you, Gordon. It's not your first experience as a as a director, a music director, and a, con a conductor. Tell us, how did you start this journey of becoming a conductor? Well, I started out uh, as first as a as a piano player, and and most uh, most conductors, I would say probably all conductors. 
start out by gaining um, a, a fairly uh, respectable amount of, of technical skill in one instrument or another. Um, a lot of conductors uh, did start out as piano players, um, but not, not, not exclusively. You know, there are, everyone has an instrument usually. So anyway, I started out um, playing the piano, which you know, from, from when I was seven years old, I started playing and, uh, you know, have been playing essentially every day of my life since then, which is now quite a few years. Uh, and then uh, I did my training, my undergraduate degree and my master's degree uh, in, in piano, actually. And then from there, I started doing uh, conducting more, uh, at first more uh, honing in on, on operatic work. Mm -hmm. I was rehearsal pianist uh, for a few opera companies, and from there I, I started uh, conducting. And so then my first, uh, I guess, real post as a conductor, I was the, the associate conductor of the Vancouver Symphony uh, for several years, um, and, then, and then I've sort of moved into this position uh, with the Regina Symphony. So in Vancouver, I, I guess you could say I was sort of the number two conductor and uh, here in Regina, um, I guess I'm the boss. So You're the boss. Been, yes, absolutely. Yes. But let, let's talk about this uh, first. Uh, we'll explore a little bit your journey and and uh, how you, yeah, how you defined your uh, your role as a leader before we we explore maybe some other topics. Let's talk about the change between being a pianist and focusing on one instrument to becoming a conductor. Was it a, a conscious decision? I want to become a conductor one day and uh, you were planning that or one day you decided, no, I've had enough of piano, um, I'm going, how did it, did it come? Because it's quite a, quite yeah, a it, difference. Yeah, it's, uh, it's hard to say really. I, I don't know that, you know, it's one of these things that, that sort of evolves over time. There wasn't a specific day when I woke up and said, you know, I'm tired of the piano, I think now I'm going to be a conductor. Um, it, it, it was sort of a, I guess, a transition for me in that I moved from playing solo piano, where, you know, you spend basically 90% of your life alone in a small room practicing all the time. Um, I started working uh, with singers, uh, opera singers. Um, and so then it sort of became more a collaborative art form for me and, and the work became more collaborative and, and you learn sort of how to work with someone and sometimes you're leading, sometimes you're following and sort of, uh, you know, negotiating that very delicate balance. And then from there, I, which actually, which was sort of a, a normal path um, back in, in the, uh, I would say maybe a hundred years ago, it was a normal path that that rehearsal pianists moved into uh, conducting duties at the opera house. And so that's kind of was my path. And so then you start to see how you can take this uh, skill that you've developed with one other person and how you can transform this into um, basically steering a group of, you know, 60, 70, 100 musicians um, down a similar path. And so, you know, the, the scale of it is much different, but I think those skills that you develop, and especially that, that uh, 
awareness of when to lead, when to follow, when to, to step in and when to take a back seat. I think that really has, has stood me in good stead for the work that I do now. Are you still in this position today where, as you said earlier, you were the boss, and are you still balance, balancing today the, uh, the energy of when to lead and when to follow, or the roles are clearer today? Absolutely. I, I really believe that in order to be a good conductor, and this is the hardest part of getting there, is knowing when you're needed and when you have to get out of the way. Um, because sometimes by inserting yourself into the wrong moment, you're making things worse. And so I think over time you develop this, this sense and through a lot of experience and sometimes, you know, some mistakes, you learn when, when you're just best to step back. And then, of course, you also know when somebody has to step in and, and take, really take the reins. Uh, I think that's something that you continue to refine uh, every day you, you do this. Mm -hmm. C can you describe your role uh, with, uh, with an orchestra? Because a little bit more in detail because um, I, I love to, to listen to concerts and, and uh, seeing a, an orchestra is really something beautiful and, and, um, and also listening to the music when it's really beautifully played. But I have no idea what this man or woman, but there are lots of men in, the, in your field, that I see from the back, it's just like, what is he doing all the time with this orchestra? So could you tell us a little bit what you do? Yeah. I mean, it is a very mysterious thing. And I think people, uh, even sometimes I think people within the orchestra, sometimes musicians, they will have very different perceptions of what, what it is specifically that a conductor is good for. Um, you know, the very obvious things to, to most people who go to a concert is, um, you know, someone has to start everybody and someone has to stop everybody. Someone has to decide how fast are we going to go? These are very basic, uh, very basic um, duties, which of course are essential. But the real, uh, the difficult work, I think, is that you somehow have to take this group of very, very highly skilled people and, and to get them really to, to work together um, to make a cohesive shape of the piece of music. And so those decisions and, and the gestures you make and, and what you do in rehearsals before the concert, um, that's a much more involved uh, part of the jobs. For example, when I'm doing my preparation, a lot of my time is thinking about what do I want this to sound like? What do I want the shape of this to be? How is the best... Uh, what are the choices that make this piece sound the greatest? And so that's a much bigger part of the preparation than saying, okay, well, I have to decide how fast this is going or how slow this is going or when we get loud or when we get soft. So um, those are, are much more, I would say, sophisticated levels of, of what goes on because even within that, um, you're also when you're when you're up there on the podium 
it really is about facilitating connections between the players of the orchestra themselves. And it's if if you go to an orchestra and you really watch the communication that happens between the players, which you can see, it's very visual, um, you start to realize that it's not just everyone taking commands from on high from, from the conductor. It really is this sort of ever-shifting um, balance of, of who's leading whom, uh, which is endlessly fascinating for me. It means also, if I hear you well, is that there's a, there's a, a, a fair big amount of intuition as well, of sensing things. And it's not only about planning, it's about sensing. Is it right? Yeah, I think it, it's about reacting to what's happening mm -hmm. and then being able in a split second to, to decide um, how can I help make that better? Mm. Uh, and in some cases, that means do less. In some cases, that means do more. Um, and, and making that decision about what, uh, you know, if, if this is not going well, is this me? Am I doing something to impede the, our, our best performance? Or does someone really need me to, you know, to, to, to fix something? Oh, beautiful. And where, where's the democratic part in it? Is there any democracy in, in, a, in an orchestra? Well, it's a really, it's a great question. I think the, the whole dynamic of, of that within an orchestra and even the style of leadership among conductors now has changed dramatically um, in the last 30 years, even maybe 20 years. You know, it, it, there used to be this sort of expectation. If you think about people like, you know, Toscanini and von Kajan, you know, it was very much a, a, an autocratic sort of hard-handed uh, iron fist kind of rule. And that simply doesn't happen anymore. You just, you cannot get away with it. And so why? there is a much... Uh, a question, but why, why is it like this? I think because, uh, because, you know, in a very general sense, musicians uh, don't want to work in those conditions. Um, and, yeah, well, exactly, right? And, and so the, the balance has, has shifted. And, and I think a lot of people, uh, a lot of conductors realize that, you know, you know I, I'm not in a place to say what Toscanini or von Karajan um, didn't do right. I mean, it was a different time. But I think a lot of conductors realize now you can get a lot more out of people um, by inviting them to sort of come with you as opposed to pulling them along, um, kicking and screaming. But, you know, it's just the, the times have changed and it's really, it's not really appropriate to say one style is, is better than the other. We're at a place now where it's just not tolerated um, in the industry. And I think um, you'll find that most of us on, whether you're a musician or, or uh, you know, whether you're on the podium, uh, I think most people are happy with where we've come to, which is great. How did you learn your leadership role? Is it, is, 
is there a leadership academy for conductors? You know, there may be. I don't know about it. Um, you know, I think it just comes from, for me, it really came from, uh, well, a lot of it came from watching other people, watching people do it well and watching people do it poorly. <laughs> and so you sort of, you take note of what, what works and, and more often you take note of, of what doesn't work. And so I think when, one of the things about playing for rehearsals in an opera house, when you're, when you're the rehearsal pianist, um, you get to watch a lot of different conductors and you get to interact with a lot of different conductors and you see that each one has a very different style and you see that sometimes they make great choices about how to bring a sense of cohesion into a group and sometimes they make terrible decisions and you see the results, you see how, how, how musicians react and you hear the difference. I mean, you hear when it works and, and when it doesn't. And so uh, I guess I just sort of tried to emulate what I liked and try to and sort of make a conscious decision that, okay, I'm, I'm never gonna do that if, if I saw something that, that didn't. Um, and then I think just the more you do it, the more you sort of figure out, uh, you know, you hone in on what your role actually is. Um, but uh, yeah, that's about the extent of my, my training as a leader, I guess. And lots, lots of observation I hear, I hear from you, so some kind of a humility also to a lot I of think that's, that's key. I think, um, you know, the, the way that, that orchestras are structured, and I think probably there are many parallels to, to the corporate world here, it's a very hierarchical uh, sort of structure that we've inherited, and in, in many ways, it's very traditional. It's very much rooted in, in the way things were 200 years ago in terms of, you know, you have this, uh, this sort of pyramid of, of, of people's responsibilities and roles. And um, I think one of the ways to combat this sort of, uh, well, it's easy for people to be mistrustful of the person at the top, I think, because of this sort of imbalance of power. Mm -hmm. And so I think it, taking a very humble approach uh, and a very respectful approach to, uh, to those people around you is, is a good way to try and dispel some of that um, mistrust of, of those who are you know, in the positions of power. Did you, did you have to, to take also a very tough decision in your, in your role as a, as a conductor? And, Absolutely. And, yeah? What, what, kind yes. of, what kind of decisions are tough decisions? Well, I mean, there are, there are lots of tough decisions. For example, um, ultimately, uh, it's my responsibility to choose who is hired, you know. Um, so making sure that that we fill a vacancy within the orchestra um, with the appropriate person is mine. Similarly, if someone is uh, if someone needs to 
be removed, that also that falls on on the music director's shoulders. And so that's a tough one. That's a really tough one. Um, ultimately, anything to do with the musical health, the artistic integrity of the group, the, the buck stops with the music director. So that's everything from trying to decide what music we play. Um, and then, for example, if, you know, if, if you plan a concert and no one wants to come uh, because they're not interested in the music, um, that's ultimately my responsibility. And so uh, the health of the organization, a lot of that responsibility lies with the music director. So there's, there are lots of tough decisions and, and sometimes not uh, immediately clear answers. Mm. I, I, I observe in lots of corporate organizations a tendency to um, push towards more collective decisions so that the leader does not have to take all the decisions. Is, mm-hmm. is it also in your... Um, something that you're observing or trying to introduce also in your field or it's not it's not the topic for you no it's it's very true i think also when you know we were talking earlier about this shift from away from the autocratic conductor ruler um i think now it's much more common to have a lot of to, to seek a lot of input from from the musicians of the orchestra in terms of what what repertoire is to be played, um, you know, even questions of, uh, for example, when a, when an, um, a, a new musician is hired, um, they're on a, a probationary, it's, it's standard that they're on a probationary period of time, and after six months or a year or whatever it happens to be, um, they are, a decision needs to be taken as to whether they're granted tenure or not, mm-hmm. whether they pass their probationary period or not. And um, in, in my orchestra, it's very much a group decision. Mm-hmm. And, and that's, that's quite standard, although it's not all over the place the same way, but I think more and more um, soliciting feedback and advice from musicians within the orchestra is much more, uh, much more normal, which I think Mm. Now, you, you are in Canada. Yes, I am. So, um, and I know from, from uh, your, your CV that you've had also some, uh, some experience in Europe. Yes. And um, can, ha, have you noticed any difference between the way, the way you, you do your work in uh, Canada and your experience in Europe? Well, it's hard to compare because... Uh, Yes. Yeah. So I think the big difference comes in that, you know, here in Regina, I'm the music director, which comes with a lot more leadership responsibilities sort of that are outside of what happens in the rehearsal hall or, or in the performance hall. Um, when I go to Europe, it's, it's always uh, just as a guest conductor, which is um, much easier in terms of uh, that because you don't have these extra responsibilities. Often, you don't know much about the orchestra at all. You, you literally come in and do the rehearsal, and you leave. And uh, uh, so that's a, a very different style of working than if you're 
in a sort of, let's say, long-term relationship with, with uh, the musicians that you're playing with. In terms of, you know, how orchestras work in Canada versus uh, in Europe, it, it's, it's all very similar to me. I mean, the, you know, obviously what, what we've inherited here in terms of how an orchestra works and the traditions that go along with it, it all came from, from Europe. And uh, one of the things that's, I think, good and less good is that um, we are so... Um, we are so attached to our traditions in the orchestra world that in terms of how it functions, not a lot has changed in the last uh, probably 200 years. Wow. Which is interesting. Yes, yes. And um, let's, talk, let's talk about the other responsibilities that you have as a leader and a music director. And... Um, the ones that you don't have when you are a guest conductor in Europe, but you have, of course, in your uh, director responsibility in Canada. So what else are you responsible for as a, as a music director? Well, um, as we talked a little bit about earlier, the, you know, charting the path for the organization is, is really the, the ultimate responsibility, which largely uh, comes down to decisions about what, what repertoire, what programs we're going to present. And so that's a big part of my job. Like right now, over the coming months, I'll be spending a lot of time uh, deciding exactly the program that we're going to present for the season that is in 2020, 2021, and then making a few sort of looser plans for the following years after that. And so that's a big part of the job. Um, also, on, so, sorry, sorry to interrupt you. Do you decide on your own? What the way that that we do it here is that that I will come up with a lot of sort of um, ideas and and put together sort of a skeleton of the season, and then and then it becomes a more collaborative process. So after the summer, when we're all gathered again, um, I'll meet with with my executive director and I'll also meet with the, the programming committee, which is made up of musicians in the orchestra, and then we'll refine it from there. But it's really on, on me to make the sort of the, the, the basic, the first go at it, the first draft. So that will be uh, a big part of what happens over the summer months. Um, that, sorry for that. I just want to explore a little bit more because yeah. it's, it sounds to me like a strategic process that I would recognize in the corporate world. So, yes. And, um, and then, but how do, how do you know, because it's up to you to make the, the first proposal, but where do you get your ideas from? How do you know what to choose and what not to choose? Do you, do you do market study or how do you do that? Well, we're not quite, uh, we don't have the resources to do large scale market studies. Um, you know, what you, you draw on past experiences really. Um, now that I've been here in, in Regina for three years, you get a sense of, of what this audience may or may not be interested in. Mm. Um, you really, uh, are looking for a, a balance of things. You're, you know, there are people who only want to hear um, Beethoven 
uh, Tchaikovsky, Brahms. And then there are people that are really interested in pieces that, that were written last year or that haven't been written yet. And so you, you kind of have to find strike a balance where you're, you're uh, being a little bit all things to all people. And so you look at that, you look at things like, well, you know, we've just played um, Beethoven's Fifth Symphony two years ago, so it's too soon to play it again. Um, you look at, oh, I've heard about this amazing guest artist that was in doing this thing in such a such city, maybe they did in Toronto or Vancouver, and you think, oh, it'd be really great to, to bring that project here. You also look at things like, how can you build on relationships in this community? So collaborations, for example, we're, we're hoping to do a, a collaboration with a dance company here in the city. And so talking about what they want to do and what their capacity is and what their interest is sort of influences where that goes. So it's, it's a fascinating part of the job and I really enjoy it. One of the things that is, um, difficult about it is that you will basically have this all decided by October and then, you know, then it's, you know, it'll be in some cases 18 months before we play this program. And so then you just wait and see, you wait and see if you were right, see if people are interested or if they're not. Um, and then you sort of take that feedback and, and roll it into decisions that you make in the future. So there is definitely an element of guessing because sometimes you're surprised. There are things in the past that I've chosen that I think uh, this, is, that's, this is a sure hit. People are going to love it and, and it doesn't sell very well. And then sometimes you're surprised. Sometimes you think, well, we're going to put this on because it's really interesting, but I'm not sure that it'll be a huge box office seller. And then sometimes you're very surprised. So it's, uh, it's interesting. What about the other parts of your of your role as a leader that you would like to share with us? Well, I think really uh, making sure that, I mean, ultimately you're in charge, an orchestra as the music director, you're in charge of, of, of trying to facilitate all the relationships that are within the orchestra itself, within the musicians. And uh, I think keeping that... Uh, part of the response your responsibilities front of mind is 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 really important and so you know if you, sometimes it, it requires um you know a bit of mediation between certain parties um a lot of times it requires uh taking input and suggestions from people within the orchestra and then deciding what course of action, whether, whether we do take that suggestion or whether uh, we, for whatever reason, cannot. And then making sure that, that your rationale for why not is clear to, to everyone in the orchestra. Um, I think really trying to keep uh, a read on the temperature of the room uh, is, is very important. Uh, and I, I think that it, it takes a great deal of sort of psychological understanding uh, to, to keep people moving all in the same direction. Mm. Both 
for the orchestra and to all your your colleagues who make decisions well we we sort of um the the way that that our structure works is that we have the orchestra of course and then we have an administration team and then together with so the sort of the, the leader the leadership position of the admin team is the executive director and so the artistic director um, and so that's sort of how the two halves of the organization are structured so i have i have some interaction with the administration team um, but less so than than with the, the members of the the orchestra of course but i think you know making sure that that the administration team, which most of them are not musicians, you know, these are the people that are in, in marketing, that are in development, in, in the box office, all that sort of thing, making sure that they understand where the organization is headed in the bigger sense is also a big part of my job um, because you need them to understand uh, why we're doing this project, why we're not doing this project anymore um, so that, that we all know where we're headed. I think that's really important. Mm. So I, I hear it's like, like you're a bridge between the two worlds. Yeah, sure. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. yeah. Wait, which it's one is easier for you to handle? Which one is, is uh, more natural for you to handle? Um, I think, uh, I mean, I spend more of my time in, on the music side, which of course is, is logical. And so I think that's probably uh, logistically speaking, you know, it makes sense. That's where I'm uh, most comfortable. When it comes to uh, working with the admin team, I don't get into the specifics of their work in the same way that the executive director does. And so when, I, when I'm talking to them, it's a little bit more high level, picture stuff as opposed to when you're working with a musician you're really down into the detailed um detailed work so i would say it's it's a different kind of communication um where you know, you're in one side you're talking a little more strategically uh based talking and then on the other side really focused into the operation of it all very interesting. Well, what, um, so you, you've got a lot of experience already and you've seen quite a lot in the world and in Canada and uh, in, your, in your role as a leader in, of this orchestra. What are the, the challenges that ahead for you? What are, um, on the one hand, the challenges ahead are the things that you think, okay, there's still something to do here. And, and maybe also the aspects that you see want to, to push, to direct, to influence um, in a visionary way? So that's a really good question. Uh, I think all of us in, in the arts and especially with orchestras, opera, ballet, theater, we're all competing more aggressively for our, our share of the market, I think. There are so many options available to people now in terms of what they want to do, what they want to see, uh, that, you know, we're all constantly trying to figure out how to engage with our audience. And I think that that has changed in the industry. I think there's much more 
of a sense of figuring out how to appeal to the audience as opposed to saying, oh, well, they know what we do and wait for them to come to us. So I think that changed and figuring out how an organization like an orchestra responds to that is, is, uh, is difficult. Um, I, I don't think anyone has the magic answer yet. And so we're all trying different things. And I think this question of, of trying to reflect more what your community looks like in what you're presenting on stage is, is, a, is a thing that we're, uh, we're all trying to sort out. And so it's a big challenge, but it's, it's an interesting one. And, I, and I'm, I'm enjoying trying to, to think that one through. Uh, so I know for my work here, that's something that we're really focused on in the, la in the next few years. Um, one of the things that we're also trying to reflect is a, a more uh, engaged approach to issues that are facing our community, so usually social issues. For example, we did a, a festival around mental health awareness, and in Canada, in Canada there's lots of uh, talk about um, the relationship between Indigenous and non-Indigenous people, and so we, uh, we also did a festival examining that and, and, and bringing different perspectives to the table uh, about where we are in terms of that relationship. And so these are things that I think, you know, probably 20 years were not, 20 years ago, they were not uh, a big part of what an orchestra was thinking about. It was more, we're going to play Beethoven, we're going to play Mozart. Uh, so I think that's changing. And, and that has ramifications in what your audience looks like. There are, are some of our more traditional audience members that, that are not interested in that sort of programming. They want to stick with, with Tchaikovsky. Um, but there are also lots of people who are very interested in this, in this idea of, of being more relevant to the community in which we find ourselves. So that's, that's a big uh, challenge for us, but I, I'm... I'm enjoying trying to sort that one out. Mm, yeah, that's that sounds fascinating because it's also opening up the field of music and and in the society and and mixing it with other areas of our of our lives. Yeah, and I think that there, I, I do think you'll see more of that um, that happens uh, everywhere as we move forward. It, it really seems to be somewhat of a uh, a, a trend that's that's starting, which I think is great. Mm. Do you have any any vision? We're, we're coming slowly, slowly but surely to to the end of uh, uh, of this conversation, which is very fascinating. This is so interesting, and uh, there's a yeah one one or two or maybe yeah questions that that I still have for the end. And one of them is, do you have a vision, something that really drives you where you think, oh, I really would like to bring the orchestra or the orchestra world to, to this in the future, uh, something that is really driving you? Well, I think that, that that's exactly what, what I was just talking about, this notion of, of changing people's perception about what an orchestra is for and who an orchestra is for. And if we can really 
get people to see themselves and their lives uh, reflected in what they see on the stage, then I think we're really heading in the right direction. Um, because I think there are lots of people that think, um, for whatever reason, an orchestra is not, it's not for them. And uh, I, would, I would theorize that a lot of these people have this idea without ever actually really giving it a try. And so uh, if, we can, if we can open people's minds to, to try these things, but then also on the other side, to give them an experience that, that really does resonate for them, uh, I think then, then we're really moving in the right direction. So it's something I spend a lot of time thinking about and how we can really, really include more people in, in this, what I think is a, a pretty transformative art form. Mm, thank you, thank you very much. What else would you like to learn for yourself? Where do you see yourself in the future? Is there any, any pictures that you see for yourself, not only for the orchestra, but for your own development? Well, once, one of the, the amazing things about being in a position like this is that you really, uh, you're, you're always learning. Uh, I think that, you know, every day that you go into work, there's something else that comes up, which is usually surprising and, uh, you know, things that need to be dealt with. And as the industry changes and, uh, and as our demographic changes, um, our responses need to be different. And so, uh, I think every day, um, being able to respond creatively to these uh, to these different uh, situations is, is a great uh, it's a gift really it's it's really uh, an, a great opportunity for me to sort of continue and grow and develop on a more sort of uh, practical side you know as a musician you can spend your whole life learning music and there's always more out there and so um, I feel very fortunate that I'm in a position where I, I'm basically, I get to learn new music and, and learn about new works of art, uh, you know, every week uh, of my life. And so uh, I just want to keep exploring what's out there. And, and if that means making connections with people who, who know about this stuff already or people who are creating this stuff right now, um, I think that's, what I want to uh, focus my energies on. Thank you. Thank you. Anything else that you would love to share around uh, your experience and leadership to, to close? Anything else that comes to your mind that you would like to share with the audience? Well, I think that for me, leadership really does mean uh, uh, to me, it's, it's more about collaboration than it is about leadership. And uh, this notion of, of taking the expertise of others and, and allowing that to move the whole organization forward, um, I see that as a big part of what leadership should be as opposed to uh, someone handing down from above. Uh, and, you know, responding to different situations and how that manifests itself is also 
a big part of what I keep learning. And so my philosophy, I think, uh, is, uh, remains very much uh, collaboration-based. Um, and uh, I think so far it's, it's led to a lot of great experiences for me. Yes, thank you very much, Gordon. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Yeah. It's really a pleasure listening to you. And, oh, great. Uh, thank you so much for, for your time and, uh, and for sharing all, the, all of this. Well, my great pleasure. It's nice to talk to you. Thank you. Thanks for listening. That was another edition of Leadership Backstage. I hope you enjoyed what you heard. And if you want to know more about me or have a conversation with me, you can get in touch via dsh-internationalhr.com.